Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about the WGC Dell Technologies match play for 2023. Holy crap, that was a mouthful. It's the PGA Tours match play event. It is coming to Austin Country Club this Wednesday, um, and DraftKings is offering contests for it. So um, we are here to talk about the WGC match play. We're going to break it down for if you plan on playing DFS, if you plan on betting, or if you were playing one and done this week. Uh, we're going to break down how the match play format affects how you can attack this week, and the golfers that we really want to target we're going to kind of break down each group, group by group in the match play um, and kind of just tell you what we think of it and the guys that we would look at. So everything that you would need to know if you are doing anything for the WGC match play is going to be covered here in this podcast in 30 minutes or less like the normal guarantee. So if you are interested in playing any other DFS golf or betting, or maybe your one and done does the alternate tournament, we're also going to have a preview for the Corrales Punta Cana Championship coming up shortly. Um, just check the podcast feed for that when it goes up. If you want to be notified when it goes up, make sure you hit that subscribe button. You'll be notified. Uh, and then lastly, we will be back doing the college basketball DFS previews for the rounds of 16 and 8 later on during the week. Um, so make sure you subscribe to that. We will be doing those. Um, those are generally our highest viewed shows, and those are kind of the ones that I'm really enjoying right now. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to doing those later on this week for you guys anyway enough with the introductions we are going to get to the group by group analysis but first we're going to break down what austin country club is like and the type of course you can expect at the match play event this week so we're going to get to that but first a quick word from our friends at spotify <laughs> All right, let's break it down. So Austin Country Club is a par 71, 7,100 yards, so pretty short golf course, but PGA Tour standards. And it is a peat die design. Um, so you're, a lot of the trends that you see with a lot of peat die courses, such as Sawgrass, uh, such as Harbortown, you're going to see examples of that here at Austin Country Club. And it is Bermuda Greens. It is in the southern part of the United States. So like most courses, it is Bermuda Greens. Um, and in terms of the scorecard itself, there are three long par threes, but one of which is very short and very gettable. That is the 17th. All all of the par fives at Austin Country Club are going to be reachable in two shots. And I got to be real honest, y'all, this is a fun golf course. Like it features a lot of unique holes, um, a lot of holes where there's a lot of risk and reward, right? And there's a lot of unique golf holes. Like there's a par four on the back nine, I believe it is the 14th, where it's a carry over water if you want to go for the green, um, or you can just lay up to the right-hand side and just avoid the water altogether. Um, there's a Pete Dye course near me called Oak Hollow that kind of features a hole like that. So it's kind of cool to see something like that on TV. Um, but like I said, a lot of unique holes, um, a lot of kind of situations where you can get yourself into good situations by playing very aggressive. There's a few fairways where if you happen to hit it into the right spot, it'll get it like an extra 30 or 40 yards of roll down a hill. There's a few greens where if you hit to the right spot, it'll just trickle on right down to the pin location if that's where the pin is that day. Um, so it's definitely a spot where you can be aggressive and just kind of a fun golf course to watch. Now, in terms of comp courses, I don't really think there's a whole lot of them. Um, it is a shorter course. You know, it is a peat die course. So you can look at those two correlations. Uh, but the match play event, it really does kind of throw a lot of the comp courses out the venue or out, out the window. So um, let's go ahead and talk about the match play format itself. So the two sporting events that I personally love um, that went on this year, the World Cup and March Madness, it's kind of like half and half of that. It is a 64 golfer field. All of the golfers are divided up into 16 groups of four. They will play a round robin against the rest of their group, three matches. Uh, and then at the end of those three matches, whoever has the most points, whoever has the most wins, is going to move on to the knockout stage, which is 16 teams. Now, the way that the, you know, kind of the field works is that the groups are seeded. 
there was a top 16 golfer in the world that was put into each group, one through 16. And then it was pretty much random draw from there for the rest of the three players in the group. But what it means is, is each group's assigned a number. If you remember from NCAA March Madness last week, maybe you made a bracket, maybe you're like me and you love college basketball too, uh, the seeding works exactly the same. The one group will play the winner of the 16 group. The winner of the eight group will play the winner of the nine group, and so on. Now, it is also important to know that this is a Wednesday start. This is a long week of golf for these guys. They're going to play the round robins on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and then knockout play will be two rounds on Saturday, two rounds on Sunday. Makes for seven rounds of golf if a golfer makes it all the way to Sunday. It's also important to know that there is a third place match on Sunday as well, along with the main match. And I'm not going to lie, y'all, I personally love watching this event on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday when it's the group play. Uh, it's a really fun like whip around coverage where they just kind of go match by match. Um, but by Sunday, it's kind of boring. Like like watching one match at a time is not um, it's not great television. So it's kind of a good thing that this will be on during college basketball at night. Um, and so that way you can kind of get a little bit of a balance. Um, you know, the Saturday and Sunday college basketball games will kind of just um, take place kind of overlapping with this. So you don't get a totally bad TV experience either way. Now, this totally changes the DFS format for this week. Like when you're looking into building your DFS lineups. So... On DraftKings, you can play anybody in the field, right? But you need to make your lineup optimal. What that means is you need to create a way to get six, all six of your players into the Elite Eight, and you need to get four of your players into the Final Four. So what that means is you don't want to pick two players from one group because obviously one of them can go on to the rock knockout round. You also don't want to pick two players from groups that play each other in the round of 16. So kind of thinking like the March Madness seating, right? You don't want to pick somebody from group one and somebody from group 16 because even if they both do win their group, they're going to play in the round of 16. So you want one person from the group of one of 16 and then one person from like the group of eight or nine that when they both win, they can be in the elite eight. Now, obviously you can only only get six of the Elite Eight because you only get six golfers, but it is super important to build that optimal lineup so that way you give yourself the chance at the ceiling. And I mean, obviously, the like the perfect scenario would be to get all four of the final four because that way you are going to end up with um, you know, all of the four of those guys playing the two extra rounds on Saturday with the semis and on Sunday with the championship and with a third place game. Now, for one and done this week, it's really interesting because um this is a tournament where like top guys have won, like Scotty Scheffler, like Dustin Johnson, like Jason Day when he won. But the problem is only group winners are going to give you any kind of money. So if you pick somebody and he doesn't win his group this week, uh, you're getting a big fat goose egg. So the question becomes, how aggressive do you want to be in your one and done? Do you want to play somebody like a Scotty Scheffler this week who has a great history at this event? More on that later. But if you play him and he doesn't win his group, he's going to get a, you know, a big fat zero this week. So for one and done, it makes for a super interesting strategy. You really just want to get somebody who wins their group. That's really all you need. If you end up getting the winner, then congratulations. You're going to get a big chunk of change. But really just getting your guy out of the group stage is a big, big plus this week. All right, so let's break down a little bit of bracket history to see just how likely it is that you know somebody does come out of the group, right? So we're only going to look at the two post-COVID years, I'm going to call them, because the 2020 edition of this tournament was unfortunately canceled due to COVID-19. Um, so we're really just going to look at 2021 and 2022. So last year, 2022, the five overall seeds, Scotty Sheffer, won the tournament with the championship taking place over the 29 seed, Kevin Kisner. The third place match was between Dustin Johnson, the eight seed, and Corey Connors, the 36 seed 
seat. So you're seeing a little bit of variance there, right? 5, 29, 36, and 8. Now, of the top 16 players who were kind of quote-unquote given their groups or assigned their groups 1 through 16, 8 of those top 16 made it to the Sweet 16. They made it out of their groups last year. 4 of those 8 made it to the quarterfinals, the Elite 8. That's pretty solid, right? Now, in terms of the way the group seeding works, each groups are still seeded two through four. Um, so last year, four two seeds in their group uh, made it out to the Sweet 16. Uh, and then only two three seeds and only two four seeds made it out of the group. Also, the three the three seeds were Seamus Power and Corey Connors. The four seeds were Richard Bland and Takumi Kanaya. Um, side note, as we talk about Richard Bland there, a lot of the guys on the Live Tour have had a lot of success at this tournament. Bland. Dustin Johnson, Bubba Watson. Um, and so, kind of, you're going to see a new crop of characters this week now that a lot of those guys that gen generally do pretty well here are no longer available. Now, 2021 was a year of chaos here. Billy Horschel won the tournament as the 32 seed, beating Scotty Scheffler, who at the time was the 30 seed. The third place match was Victor Perez versus Matt Kuchar. So just a lot of wildness happened there, right? And in 2021, only one top 16 player made it out of the group stage, and that was John Rahm. He's the only top 16 player other than Scotty Scheffler who's made it out of the group stage in back-to-back -back years. Now, nine players who were the four seed in their group made it out of the group stage in 2021. Uh, of, of the other players who made it out of the group stage, four were the two seed in their group and two were the three seed in their group. Now, the other addition here at Austin Country Club in 2019, Kevin Kisner beat Matt Kuchar to win and only five one seeds made it out of the group. So in three-year sample size, we've had eight, five, and one um, number one seeds in their group, the top 16 players make it out of the group. So that is an average of about 4.5 per year. So it's not like the, you know, the one seeds, the top 16, it's not like they just dominate year in and year out. Now let's talk about what kind of golfer we want to target here at Austin country club. So there's a few types of track records that have had success here. Um, in terms of like statistical profiles. First off is lefties. Um, lefties tend to play well here. There's a lot of situations where a lefty fade will benefit you. Uh, and then secondly, Texas Longhorns tend to do pretty well here, um, which should not come as a shock considering it's Austin Country Club. Spieth plays well here. Scheffler has a win and a runner-up. Uh, or Dylan Fratelli even may have the group here. Um, so guys who went to the University of Texas or even from Texas, I think have an advantage. Maybe I think you could even extend that a little bit to guys who played in the Big 12. Um, you know, guys like Ricky Fowler and Victor Hovland who played at Oklahoma State. I don't think that's the biggest um, like boost, but it is guys who have probably seen this course more or less at some point in their lives. Now, also, since it's a match play format, we want guys who can make birdies. So we want guys who give themselves opportunities to make birdies and guys who can knock down the birdies because you're going to need to make birdies to win these holes here at Austin Country Club. And if you're not making birdies, you're going to go down early. And so we need guys who can put themselves in position to make birdies, guys who can find fairways, hit greens in regulation, and hit putts. So that way you can take advantage of match play. Now, also, I kind of think there is a little, little bit of a psychological aspect of match play. Some guys who are great golfers have bad history in match play. Some don't. So I think that, you know, that is something worth analyzing as we go forward as well. So... That does it for kind of the whole tournament preview. We're now going to break down the bracket group by group, one by one, in order of the bracket. Um, so you'll kind of know who is in which group and who to target from each group. So let's go ahead and take a quick breather, and then we're going to start with group one. 
All right, so going in order of the bracket, we're talking about group one. That is the Scheffler group. It is Scotty Scheffler, Tom Kim, Alex Noren, and Davis Riley. And I got to be honest, I don't really see um, Alex Noren or Davis Riley as threats. I think this sets up fairly well for Scotty Scheffler to get out of the group. Alex Noren is 11-5 and five in match play at this event, but his recent form coming in is not that great. He's made one of his last four cuts. Davis Riley has been playing some good golf, but I don't think he has as much upside as the others. He's just not like a great birdie maker like some of these other guys are. So I think Scheffler's main competition to get out of this group is going to be Tom Kim. Tom Kim is a guy who has played Pete Dycourse as well. He's played well in match play at the President's Cup. Doesn't have a whole lot of wins to show for it, but nobody on the international team in this past President's Cup does. Uh, and you're just looking at a guy who hits the ball super straight, is going to hit a lot of greens, and he has the potential to get super hot with the putter. So I actually think that this group is either going to come down to Scheffler or Tom Kim. But right now, Scotty Scheffler owns this course, one of the best golfers in the world. If the putter can just be average for three rounds, he should easily make it out of the group stage. I think he makes light work of Norrin and Riley, uh, and then all he would have to do is pretty much just draw Tom Kim or hope that Tom falters somewhere down the road. Now, group 16 is Sung J.M., Mad McNeely, Tommy Fleetwood, and J.T. Poston. And I got to be honest, I think this group sets up really well for Tommy Fleetwood. He's 8-7-2 in his career at this event, and he is one of only two golfers who have beaten Scotty Scheffler in a match at Austin Country Club. Um, he beat him in group play last year. The other one to beat him would be Billy Horschel in the final in 2021. Now, J.T. Poston is playing pretty well, and he's won one and one in this event. So I don't really quite know what to make of that. I'm not really a huge fan of Sung Jae in a match play form. Uh, and I don't trust Mad McNeely's health coming in. So I really think group 16 sets up perfectly for Tommy Fleetwood to come out of the group. Group A is Hovland, Kirk, Kim, and Kucher. To me, this is kind of a scary draw for Victor Hovland because you've got guys that there's kind of arguments to be made for all of them, right? Chris Kirk is in great recent form coming off the wind at the Honda Classic. Siwoo Kim has a lot of match play experience with his, you know, playing the President's Cups, uh, and he fits the profile for this course with it being a Pete Dye course, with it being a shorter golf course. But his history in this event's terrible. He's 5, 8, and 3 in matches at Austin Country Club, so probably crossing off Siwoo this week. Matt Kucher is kind of scary, though. He's won this event before, and he's 16-5-4 in this event at Austin Country Club. But at the end of the day, I think Group 8 is going to belong to Victor Hovland. His ball striking is just superb right now. When you look at his recent finishes, the ball striking has been incredible. It's been the putter that's let him down, and if he can just be an average putter, he'll be all right. One thing you always worry about, Victor, if you play him in any kind of stroke play format is that he tends to get big numbers, right? He, he'll put up the occasional 8. Well, guess what? In match play, and eight's just one loss hole. It's not four lost strokes. So I really think that this sets up well for Victor Hovland. I think the ball striking reigns supreme, and I got Victor Hovland advancing out of group eight. Now for group nine, it is Morikawa, Day, Svensson, and Perez. In my opinion, this is the hardest group to handicap. Colin Morikawa is two, two, and three in this event, but he did make it out of the group stage last year. Um, he's just a guy who has a lot of peaks and valleys in his play right now. I don't really know how much I trust him, but I do know if he gets that iron game cooking, it's going to be tough to beat him when he's going to give himself all those looks at birdie. Jason Day has incredible recent form. He has six straight top 20 finishes. He's also won this event in his eight and seven total at Austin Country Club. But with Jason Day, you always worry about his back health and the fact that he might just you know, play five rounds and just be absolutely done by the end of it. So I don't know if I'm necessarily confident enough in Jason Day to pick him for that reason. Now, Adam Svensson is a guy that we were on at the players and he came in 13th. He's playing some really good golf right now. He's a super accurate iron player. 
I really like Svensson as a low-priced option on DraftKings. Um, I think that you can, if you're targeting this 8-9 group and you're not going to play Hovland, I think Svensson is a really, really solid option as a guy who can get you to the Elite Eight out of this group. Now, Victor Perez has not played a lot stateside recently, but he's been great in Europe, and he's also 4-3 and three in this event, but don't be deceived. That 4-3 and three is in one appearance, and he came in fourth in that appearance. So in other words, he lost in the semis, and he lost in the third-place game. So four wins, and with... One loss in the group stage and those two losses in the semis in the third place. So really good performance out of Victor Perez at this event. Now, group four is Cantlay, Harmon, Lee, and Taylor. And I got to be real honest, y'all. I kind of think that this sets up perfect for Patrick Cantlay. And it sets up really well if you're playing DraftKings to put him in as the first price golfer in your lineup to get it out of this kind of quadrant of the bracket. He's 6-4-2 and two in this event, but yet he hasn't made it out of the group stage in either of his last two appearances, which is kind of odd. He's kind of just gotten unlucky. Um, now, in 2021, he lost in a playoff in sudden death after the group play was finished. Uh, and then in 2022, he finished one point short of Seamus Power. Now, his recent form coming in is pretty solid, too. He's a T19, T4, T3 in his last three coming in. So, like I said, said, I just can't find reasons to pick against Patrick Cantlay in this group. Now, Brian Harmon has made it out of the group before, and he is a lefty, like we mentioned earlier. That does work to his favor, uh, but I don't trust his recent form. just hasn't been great coming in, and it, it's kind of a pass for me. Kim Hyun Lee is coming off of a T19 at the Valspar, which is pretty solid, and he's had a lot of success at Texas courses, winning twice at TPC Craig Ranch in McKinney, Texas. He is a Texas resident, but uh, if you know Texas, Austin ain't very close to Dallas, so um, I don't think this necessarily bodes super well for him. And then Nick Taylor is kind of like an unknown coming in. He hasn't really played any match play, but he's coming off of a T10 at the Valspar. Um, like I said, I kind of think this group is going to belong to Patrick Cantlay. Now, group 13 gets a little trickier. you got Burns, Power, Scott, and Hadwin. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I have no confidence in Sam Burns as the top seed to win this group. Sam Burns had a great Sunday at the Valspar to finish T6, but until that round, he just simply not been very good in the past two months, so I'm kind of just writing off Sam Burns for that reason. Seamus Power is a guy that I really like, and I think he's a really solid play on DraftKings. He made it out of the group stage last year. He's capable of getting super hot with his irons and just giving himself a lot of short birdie looks And that if he knocks it down in match play, look out. Uh, the one thing to worry about is he is coming off of a missed cut at the play. Now, another guy who missed the cut at the players is Adam Scott, but he'd been playing really good before that. He's also 4-1-2 at Austin Country Club. He's a super experienced match play player with all his play at the President's Cup and all the WGC match plays that he had played before that. I believe he won this event before it moved to Austin Country Club, um, so definitely wouldn't have any problems with picking or playing Adam Scott. Now, for Adam Hadwin, he was the guy that everybody was on last week, and he burned him with a missed cut, um, and I don't really think this format fits him. He is a great par maker, not a great birdie maker, but as I've said oftentimes when it comes to DFS, sometimes the bad plays become good plays because nobody's going to play him, and he just might be the guy that absolutely nobody plays because they were burned by him last week, uh, and they don't think he's going to win the group, and so I could see him being a low-owned DFS option for that reason. Group five is the Max Homa group. Homa, Hideki, Kisner, and Suh. On paper, I think this is a great spot for Max Homa. Um, I really do. He's just been playing absolutely outstanding in the past month, um, and I really think that he's going to win this group. 
Um, Hideki has been super hit or miss and has been terrible at this event, so he's a hard pass for me. Justin Suh has incredible recent form, but it was all in the state of Florida, and he has no match play history. He's got to prove to me that he can do something outside the state of Florida before I'm willing to put him in something like this. Kevin Kisner, though, is the guy to be worried about for Max Homa. He's the king of this event. He is 22-6-1 and at Austin Country Club. He has a win and a runner-up at this event, but this recent form coming in for Kevin Kisner is kind of troubling. He's missed four of his last five cuts, and the one cut that he made, he finished 75th. That ain't great. So I'm going to roll with Max Homa to win this group. He has just barely missed coming out of the group in each of the last two editions of this tournament, and he's a much better player right now than he was then, and I think his demeanor fits well for match play. He's just a guy who is super composed, super confident, um, and I just think that that kind of is a little bit intimidating to look up against on the other side. So I really think that Homa is a really solid pick to come out of this group, uh, and I really do like him to go far in this tournament. Group 12, the Spieth group. Spieth, Lowry, Montgomery, and Hughes. And I'm not going to lie, y'all, this is another one that I think sets up super well for the one-seed Spieth. Lowry has been terrible at this event, and he hasn't been good at all with the putter in 2023, so he's a pass for me. Taylor Montgomery has no match play history and hasn't been great lately, but he is the one guy that is capable of getting scorching hot with the putter. Now, Mackenzie Hughes has great event history here. He's 4-2-1 at this event at Austin Country Club. So I think Spieth has a lot of things going for him, but Hughes is one of those kind of short game magic type of players that can get hot with the chipping and the putting and give himself a chance so i would be inclined to pick speed to win this group but i think if it's anybody other than him it's probably going to be mckenzie hughes all right so that is the first half of the bracket so i'm um, just kind of going down by down who we had uh group one i'm rolling with scheffler group eight i'm rolling with hovland group nine i'm rolling with svensson group four cantlay 13 power Group 5, Homa. Group 12, Speed. So I have a little more one seeds than obviously I think are probably going to end up happening, but it's kind of hard to pick against some of these one seeds. Some of the worst players that are the two threes and fours I really liked on the other side of the bracket. So speaking of the other side of the bracket, let's take a quick breather, and then we're going to break down the other half of the bracket. All right, let's kick off the other half of the bracket with group two, and that is John Rahm's group. I'm referring to this as the group of death. This group absolutely terrifies me. It is one of the hardest groups to pick in the tournament, in my opinion. You've got Rahm, Horschel, Mitchell, and Fowler. Rahm is, he's John Rahm. He's one of the hottest players in the world. He's made it out of the group two years in a row at this event. I mean, he's John Rahm. Can't Nick pick that one, right? Now, Billy Horschel has won this event before, and he's 10-5-2 in this event in total at Austin Country Club. Kind of hard to pick against him, right? He lost to Scotty in the round of 16 last year, so you could make the argument that Horschel could have gone farther if he didn't just run into the freight train that was Scotty Scheffler at this event. Now, Keith Mitchell is the third guy in this group, and he's playing as good a golf as anybody in the world right now. He's driving the ball really well. He's got some good finishes, and uh, it wouldn't shock me if he won the group either. And then you also have Ricky Fowler who is playing off of eight straight made cuts, five of which were top 20s, and he's 12, 8, and 5 total in match play overall. However, he is yet to make it out of group play in Austin. Ricky Fowler, though, also has a lot of motivation to do well at this event. He needs to get more World Golf ranking points if he wants to play in the Masters uh, in two weeks. So this group, in my opinion, the toughest one to pick. This is the toughest group. And if I'm playing DraftKings or if I'm playing one and done, I'm avoiding this group at all costs because I just don't think that I'm comfortable with picking one of these guys to get out of the group with a lot of money on the line, right? So if I had to pick it, though, I'm going to go with Billy Horschel. I just think his event history bows really well for him here at Austin Country Club. Group 15 is next up, and that is Young, Straka, Connors, and Thompson. I'm just going to dismiss Seb Straka. I don't think he is um, worth 
talking about. He's just not playing very well. Davis Thompson has a small sample size, but he's been really good at Pete Dye courses, so I think he's definitely worth a look, especially as a shoot super cheap DFS option. Corey Connors came in third here in 2021, but his recent form coming in leaves a little bit to be desired. Now, to me, Cam Young is the pick for this group. He would have to be absolutely terrifying to play in match play, in my opinion, because he's going to hit the ball farther than everybody else. So what that means is when he drives the ball, he's going to be going second on his approach shot. So if you don't hit the green or if you hit two, um, you know, not a great spot on the green, he knows how aggressive he can be to beat you on that hole because he's going to be closer to it. He's going to see your shot. And so in match play, that's a supreme advantage to have, right? And so the question with him is, you know, can he give himself enough close birdies that he can make with that streaky putter to give himself an advantage? And if the putter goes hot, like it did at St. Andrews, like it did at the Rocket Mortgage, I think you can see a really good finish here for Cam Young because I think he sets up really well for match play. He's also going to have a few holes here that are going to be drivable for him that might not be drivable for others. So definitely big advantage for Cam Young in this group 15. Now, group seven, to me, is the biggest lock in all the groups. It's Zalatoris, Fox, English, and Putnam. Yeah, if you were listening to those names, I'm logging in Zalatoris. Like, I think this sets up really well for him. He's a Texas native. Um, he lost to Kevin Kisner in the quarterfinal last year, so he's made it out of the group here before uh, just locking in Willie Z. I don't really fear any of the other three golfers. The only other guy I can make the argument for is Putnam. Because this is the type of course he plays well at, right? It's a short course. It's a positional golf course. And it's one where if he is able to hit it close and knock in putts, he can do really well. But I really think this sets up super well for Zalatoris out of Group 7. Group 10 is Finau, Kitayama, Morak, and Bezaydenu. Bezaydenu, I'm going to go ahead and count out. He's 0-5-1 at this event. That's pretty bad. Moving on. Adrian Moronk and Kurt Kitayama have never played this event, but I got to give props for Kitayama. You know, he did just recently win the Arnold Palmer Invitational, and I think that that required a lot of composure to come into that Sunday with a lead, with an absolutely loaded field, and to kind of hold off some of the best golfers in the world to win that event. So I really think Kitayama, that the mental game he showed that week showed me a little something with his game, right? Now, Tony Finau, love the guy to death, but he's never made it out of the group in match play. And so, you know, something's got to give with this group, y'all. Nobody in this group has ever made it out of the group stage in match play. So uh, I'm probably going to roll with Kirk Kitayama for group 10, if I'm being honest. Group three is McElroy, Bradley, McCarthy, and Stallings. Keegan Bradley is another one I'm immediately dismissing. He's 0-3-6 at this event. Hard pass. Scott Stallings has done nothing in 2023 to make me trust him. So that leaves two, McElroy and McCarthy. Denny McCarthy has never played in this event, but he is the type of golfer who could do well. We've talked about how he is one of the best putters on planet Earth day in, day out. And, you know, in match play, that's got to be hard to go against, right? If you're looking at the same putt he is, he's going to make more than you do. And so that's got to be something that's tough to, you know, kind of cope with as you're playing your opponent. So I really think that this kind of sets up well for McCarthy, but also kind of sets up well for a Rory Redemption arc, right? How many times have we seen Rory McIlroy come in with just not great recent form and just boom, there, there he goes, he wins the golf tournament. Like that's what he does. Like recent form does not matter with Rory. He's still Rory McIlroy. He's still one of the best drivers of golf ball on planet earth. So I could totally not be shocked to see him win, but I'm going to roll the dice a little bit here. I'm going to pick Danny McCarthy to come out of group three. Group 14, we got Hatton, Griffin, Henley, and Herbert. Uh, Lucas Herbert's playing terrible right now. He's a cross-off for me. Henley has been terrible at this event, two and six in total. He's another cross-off for me. 
That leaves Griffin and Hatton. Griffin has been playing great golf, but I do wonder about his birdie-making ability. He's done well at some of these courses where par is a good score as opposed to, you know, making birdies and getting a lot of red numbers. Um, Hatton is the guy that I really like in this group. He's coming off of a runner-up and a T4 in his last two events. He's playing some great golf. He made it out of the group stage last year, which I think bodes well for his experience, and I think he will get out of the group play again this year in Group 14. Group six is Shoffley, Hoagie, Wise, and Davis. Aaron Wise is coming off of two bad missed cuts, um, so I don't really trust his recent form coming in. Xander Shoffley has been playing well, but I do wonder about his fit at this event. He's 5-4-3 and three in total, hasn't really had any great finishes at it. Um, I just don't think he's a great match play player. He, you know, He's an up-and-down king. He's a guy who does really well at U.S. Open-type conditions where par is a good score, where the rough is really thick. And I just, I don't know. I don't think this is the spot for Xander. Now, Tom Hokey is the type of guy who could win a group by going nuclear. We've seen it in his career before at Pebble Beach um, where he can just get scorching hot with his irons and wedges, stick it really close, hole in, hole out, and knock down those birdie putts. Uh, and to me, he's a guy that profiles well as a group winner. The other guy who can also go nuclear is Cam Davis, who is the rare long hitter who plays well at short courses, who when he gets hot, he gets really hot. I'm thinking I'm going to go with Tom Hoagie at a group six, though. I, I just really like his ability to get hot with those irons. I think if you're looking into playing in DraftKings, um, I think that six and 11 is kind of an interesting little pair of groups um, because I think that there's no real clear favorite to come out of them. So looking in group 11, we got Fitzpatrick, Thigawa, Minwoo Lee, and JJ Spawn. To me, Fitzpatrick wins the award for most likely top seed to not make it out of the group. He's missed three of his last four cuts. He's dealing with that neck injury. I just don't trust him at all right now. Sahith Thigawa has a super high ceiling. We've seen it before. When he gets hot, he really gets hot. Uh, and he plays well at you know these kind of TPC, Pete Dye type courses. Um, so I could see him doing well here. He doesn't really have any match play experience to speak of um, unless you want to go way back to his college days at Pepperdine. Now, Minwoo Lee is a guy that is also fun as well. He's coming off of a T6 at the players, and he also is a guy who has a super high ceiling. Um, I think he's really talented, and I think it's only a matter of time before he wins on the PGA Tour. He's done so on the DP World Tour already. So I think for Group 11, I'm actually going to go with Minwoo Lee. So the other half of the bracket, I went a little less chalky. I had Horschel, Young, Zawatoris, Kitayama, McCarthy, Hatton, Hoagie, and Minwoo Lee. So a little less chalky on that side. So remember, when you're setting up your DraftKings lineups, you got to make sure that you are going with guys who are not in adjacent groups, right? So one guy that I really like on DraftKings um, I really like Will Zalatoris because not only do I feel like he's a good play to get out of his own group, but when you're looking at group 10, Finau, Kitayama, Maronk, and Bezadenhut, Zalatoris would be strongly favored in match play over any four of those guys. So I really think when you're looking at these DFS lineups, y'all, think one or two groups ahead, and I think you can get yourself some guys that you can really find a lot of value in. So, um, you know, kind of like the example I just used with Zalatoris there, I really like that one. Um, I also think that, you know, the 512 group is kind of suspect as well. So I think if you were able to get one out of it, like a Homa or a, Spe or a Spieth, um, that would set up well for you. Or Cantlay, I think in his group, his, you know, his group would play the Burns, Power, Scott, Hadwin group out of the group stage. So I think the group four, if you're able to get a guy out of that, would be feeling pretty solid as well. So in one and done, last thing we're going to talk about here. One and done, you just want to make sure you get your guy out of the group, right? So be as aggressive as you want to get, but if you don't get your guy out of the group, no matter how good he is or how bad he is, 
you're getting a zero and you're going to be not able to use that golfer for the rest of the year. So I think Scotty Scheffler is like the obvious play here, right? If you've been saving Scotty Scheffler, you know, maybe you're saving him for the Masters, but if you got him left now, I'm not opposed to using him. But also at the same time, be wary that that zero is absolutely an option. So I think for me personally in one and done, I'm probably going to go with one of these match play type specialists that I wouldn't want to use again, like a Horschel, like a Kevin Kisner, maybe even somebody like a Minwoo Lee or a Sahith Tagawa. But I just want to make sure I get somebody that gets out of the group because if you don't get your guy out of the group, it's just like missing a cut. I cannot stress that enough. All right, so that does it for our breakdown of the WGC 2023 Match Play Championship. So whether you're playing DFS, betting, or one and done, hopefully you got all the information you need. We talked about pretty much every golfer in the field, at least the ones I found notable enough to talk about. Talk about the groups that we want to target, groups that we want to avoid, and all that stuff. So that does it for the preview, guys. If you are an avid DFS or you know golf better, make sure you listen to our preview of the Corrales Punta Cana Championship, which will be going up later. Uh, if you want to be notified when that episode drops, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Also, while you're there, please rate and review. It really helps me out a lot. All right, guys, that does it for the WGC Match Play Preview. I will be back for the Corrales Punta Cana Preview, and I will be back next week to preview the Valero Texas Open for golf, as well as doing the remaining college basketball previews for the rest of the season. Best of luck to you guys in all your endeavors with the match play. Hope you guys enjoy watching it on TV on the early days as much as I do. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you next time. Mm-hmm.